Did that go through at all? I heard none of it. God fucking damn it. I was waiting to. <laughs> um, if you've never met me in person, you'll know uh, it's important to know that I don't drink soda. But I do drink energy drinks, which is almost worse, um, if yeah. you think about it. But I also I'm... don't think I realized that you don't drink soda. Yeah, I haven't drank soda in like two years. I say this as I sip on a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and by sip, I mean I drank the half of it in one go, and now I'm sipping it. <laughs> Hell yeah. You gotta down half of it and then leisurely sip the rest throughout the rest of the podcast. Of course. We'll have constant Dr. Pepper check-ins. How much do you got left? I'm still there. I'm oh. still going. I feel uh, like that's definitely something we would do. Yes, it is. Because we're those fucking weirdos. Oh yeah, for sure. Speaking of those fucking weirdos, hi, I'm Kevin. I'm Mickey. And this is... Who's got the sign? A podcast where we talk about different star signs for characters in our favorite pieces of media. Whether that be musicals, TV shows, movies, whatever. Do you want to tell them what our show this week is? So, last week we uh, discussed the musical Black Friday, um, which is a Starkid musical. If you haven't watched the, or listened to that one, then you should, because it was great. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Um, but in that episode, um, or not in that episode, in that musical, I can speak words. Um, they, there's a line where they, they discuss the power of gray skull. Um, and because of that, I decided on a whim that this week we were going to cover the show She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, the Netflix original version. And of course we had to split that into two episodes because there are so many characters. So this yep. week is part one, and next week will be part two. Yes, we'll be covering four characters in this episode, and four in the next episode, and throwing in some lightning round side characters as well at the end of each episode. Which is really the most fun part, because we get to talk about the characters that might not get as much attention. Yeah. A couple reminders um, that we probably said in the last podcast episode, but I'll say again here anyways. There will be spoilers. Um, we watched, uh, we agreed on watching back just the first season, but Mickey and I have both watched this show multiple times. So we will be bringing up stuff about the characters we're discussing, all from season one through season five. So mm -hmm. if you worry about spoilers, I would recommend either going and binging the series before listening or just maybe be careful with how you listen tonight. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is um, we will be talking about certain aspects of star signs, both their positives and negatives, as we discuss the sun, moon, and rising for these characters tonight. And none of these, uh, we'll be discussing negative things about them, but there is no one definite thing about any person who consists of a sign. If we say bad things about Leos, we're not saying bad things about all Leos. So. Um, also, disclaimer, our star signs, in terms of sun, moon, and rising, are, for me, I'm a Scorpio sun with a Sagittarius cusp, um, Sagittarius moon, and a Libra rising. 
And I will definitely say good and bad things about all of those things. Yes, I am a Sagittarius sun, a Taurus moon, and a Cancer rising. And I also am very evident of the good things and bad things about those with myself. So it's fine. Yeah, it's, but- it's perfectly acceptable for us to absolutely just rag on ourselves. <laughs> exactly. I have some fun facts here about the show just to share before we get started. Uh, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power ran from November 13th, 2018 to May 15th, 2020. It has, like I said, five seasons consisting of 52 episodes. The executive producers are Noelle Stevenson and Chuck Austin. It's based on an animated 1985 series, She-Ra, Princess of Power, a spinoff of He-Man written by Larry DeTillo and J. Michael Straczynski. It was nominated for 12 different awards between 2019 and 2021, where it won a Daytime Emmy in 2020 and a GLAAD Media Award in 2021. Uh, The title song is called Warriors uh, by Aaliyah Rose, which the Washington... It it does slap a lot. Um, The Washington Post called it one of the most unskippable opening intros of a show ever. Absolutely. It really is. I don't think I've ever skipped it the entire time. I don't think I have either. It also changes every season, um, the intro. It doesn't say the same, uh, especially in season five. The intro changes almost every episode. Um, So there's always different things happening in it. The song stays the same, though. It's just the the images that change, which is a fun little Easter egg for the people who actually stay and listen to the theme song. Yeah. (laughs) Something nice about She-Ra that I found that I really like is that the show has all female writers, and the show is very female-centric and about a woman's experience, so that makes a lot of sense. The character of Entrapta, who we'll be talking about next week, was originally written to be a too-cool-for-school character, but was changed in development over time um, to the character that she actually is, which I'm glad about because I don't think I would like Entrapta as much if she wasn't like how she is. I didn't know that, and like you can't see my face, but I'm looking at the screen like, huh? Because uh, if you if you watch the show, that is not what she's like at all. Something about Entrapta is that she, and I don't know if this is canon or not, but she um, exhibits a lot of traits of an autistic person, and a lot of autistic people who've watched the show really relate to her. And I really just don't think that she'd be at all likable or relatable at all if she was what she was apparently originally supposed to be. That's so weird to think about. It is. The character of Seahawk, uh, he does a lot of sea shanties and singing throughout the show uh, when he shows up, and that was actually influenced by his voice actor, Jordan Fisher. Oh, thank God. <laughs> he was uh, one of the people, he, he suggested that after getting the role of Seahawk, that he would be the kind of guy who would sing all the time and sing a lot of sea sea shanties so we have him to thank for those amazing i love jordan fisher with my whole heart i do too anybody who knows like broadway stuff what knows who jordan fisher is oh, and yeah amazing. or teen beach movie or teen beach movie that <laughs> as well 
Actually, that's probably what more people know him from. Yeah, unfortunately. Last piece of trivia I have here that I found that was interesting is that the character of Mara, who we learn, spoilers, is the original She-Ra, was actually, and her character arc in relationship with the main character, Adora, is based off of Noelle Stevenson's experience in the animation industry, starting out in that with it being such a male-dominated industry. Super cool. Yeah, she talks about how women were called crazy or washed out, uh, that no matter what you did, people always were creating stories about you and you were never doing everything right. I have this quote here that she said, you're put in that role no matter what you do. For me, the thing that helped the most was that reaching out to other women and asking how they dealt with it, it makes you feel less alone, less crazy. Wow. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, I thought it, I read that and I thought it makes a lot of sense looking at how Mara is characterized at the beginning of the show and what we learn about her over time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are the fun facts I decided to look up for this episode. Mm-hmm. So without a doubt, let's get started. Without a doubt. Okay. Without a doubt, let's get started with describing our four characters today. Are you trying to say without further ado? I was, and then I just went with it. You know okay. how sometimes you just gotta go with it? I blame the Red Bull. Alright, fair enough. Um, Do you wanna say who our first character of the night is? All right. So actually, before I do that, I wanted to add, um, I mentioned the thing about Entrapta being coded as autistic. Um, One of my favorite things about this show is purely just the representation that it has, um, both in terms of physical representation, like there's a whole bunch of different body types and all of this stuff, but there's so much LGBT rep too, which makes me as a bisexual person super happy to see because you don't get a lot of that in media. I'm sure you all know that, of course, but like almost every single character in the show is a part of the LGBT community in some fashion. And I think that is the coolest thing in the world. Because most of the time you get that one token character and that's it. Yeah, Shira's pretty great about that with a bunch of these characters all being part of the LGBTQIA plus community. And from different, there's not just, you know, lesbians and gay people. There's representation for everyone. Not all of it is canon. And there's some of it that is more in the background than in the foreground. But I do think, like... It's important to recognize what this show has done and how far we've come, even in just the short time that Shira hasn't been on. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I just think it's so important, and that's part of the reason I wanted to cover this show so bad is because I think that the show itself is super important, and I think that everybody yeah. should watch it. <laughs> like I can't even I lie about it. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to stop selling now. Hopelessly gay characters. Yeah, so we're going to start with uh, the main character herself, Princess, not Princess, um, Adora, who is also Princess Shiro, when she holds her fancy sword and says her fancy words. So basically, Adora was born, Adora was born, and then was taken away from where she was born um, by a character called Hordak, um, and she was raised in this place called the Fright Zone. 
So she grew up as a member of the Horde, which is like the quote-unquote evil people in this universe. And she was raised not knowing all of the bad things that they were doing. Like, she thought, because people were telling her, she um, thought that the princesses were evil and all this stuff. And of course, when she discovers in the first episode that she is She-Ra, an actual princess, she quickly learns that that's not exactly the case. So the whole series is basically her coming to terms with her identity as She-Ra and helping save the world. So, Kevin, what did you have for Adora's Sun, Moon, and Rising? There's a couple of these where I could not make up a mind between two. Um, Adora has one of those that I couldn't decide exactly on what I wanted her sun sign to be. All right. But as far as what I have here, for Adora, I have for sun, she's either an Aries or a Capricorn. For moon, I have her as a Pisces. And for rising, I have her as a Sagittarius. Okay. So I have those two reversed. I had Sagittarius, Moon, and Pisces rising. But for Sun, I put Libra. And I'm very intrigued to see why we have such different opinions here. So for for everybody listening, um, for some context, it is the She-Ra and the Princesses of Power like wiki page does have actual astrological signs for them that the creator assigned to them. And we're we're not going based off of those entirely. If we end up agreeing with them, uh, it's just out of happenstance. But I do want to point out that Adora's on the wiki page was Capricorn. I said Aries for her because a big part of the Aries traits are being high energy, they're very active, they're very focused in the moment, they're, but they can also be very impatient, while at the same time innovative with new ideas. And Adora is very much a character who pushes to work harder, train more, be the best person that she can be, and she doesn't like it when she's held back from that and she has to slow down. So I said Aries for her for that. As far as Capricorn goes, their traits can sometimes be described as courageous, they're honest people with a lot of ambition, but they also have this fear of failure, of being not being good enough, having an inferiority complex, and also needing security in their personal relationships and in their life. And I think we see by Adora's reaction to becoming She-Ra, her desire to be more than who She-Ra makes her to be, but also to live up to the expectations that everyone has for her, that Adora very much fits into a Capricorn there. Yeah, for me, I went for Libra because it's all about like being fair and peaceful and wanting to just have everything be happy. Which I feel like is something that Adora kind of aspires to. She just wants people to stop fighting around her. She wants everybody to get, like, all of her friends at least, to get along. Um, and that does include Katra, even though they're fighting on opposite sides of this war. She just wants everybody to to stop. And there was a, a phrase in the paragraph that I read about the signs where it said... 
this leads to their wanting peace at any price, which allows others to take advantage of them. And I think that goes a little far for for Adora, but I definitely think that she does want that peace no matter what it takes. And partially because of that and partially because, you know, she's kind of in love with Katra, Katra takes advantage of her a lot and tricks her into, you know, letting her go free or what have you. So that's the kind of, that's the vantage point that I went for with her sun sign but i definitely see where the capricorn would come in and that makes a lot more sense yeah like i saw i i almost purposely tried not to go with the signs that the wiki page said just to be different and edgy and unique <laughs> i do agree that the capricorn fits a lot with adora but i also do see what you're talking about with libra I think I'm more willing to go with either Libra or Capricorn because Aries, I think, would be more surface level, which is closer to rising. Yeah. The only thing under Libra that I don't know if I would agree with, and of course, you know, these are never 100% accurate for the characters, we know that, but I do think that Adora is pretty confident in this worldview of this is right and this is wrong, um, and that does get shaken up throughout the series. But Adora pretty quickly deflects from the Horde to the Rebel Princess army mm. early in the show when she sees that innocent people are being hurt by the Horde. And part of the Libra is being, it says here, I'm looking at it right now, that since they can see both sides of an argument, they genuinely do not like to choose either one. I think Adora is indecisive on a surface level, but I wouldn't say that Adora is very indecisive in general. Yeah, I was struggling with that, and, and like I said, I think it's just because of the vantage point that I came from with it that it made me, like, go for this. The only thing that she sees on the opposing side of things is Katra. So I don't think that she necessarily sees both sides of the argument, I just think she doesn't want to choose between her friend that she grew up with and is basically in love with for however long, and her new friends who are, you know, fighting to win their lives back, essentially. In season three, we do see that, like, the breaking point for Adora in her friendship with Katra, it literally takes to Katra almost destroying the entire fabric of the universe for Adora to be like, no, I'm done with you. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> And obviously they come around after that, but it takes her that to officially like end and their friendship at that point. Like she doesn't think there's any more hope of her making Katra into a better person at that point. Yeah. So I guess she is indecisive in that regard, but I don't know. I just don't, I don't see that as like an actual, like a, a super big trait yeah. for who Adora is as a person. I think it's more so just like, in that particular respect as opposed to her as a person um and i think i was having trouble looking at it in a more wide lens adora's thing about having a fear of failure is so uh, present in her art and capricorn. in her character uh, yeah that's a very capricorn um trait and i that that's why i'm kind of leaning towards that one. yeah that makes sense i would agree with that I had Pisces for Moon. What did you end up saying? Sagittarius. So I thought it was funny because we had those those two flipped around, the Moon and Rising. Right. And just 
If this is your first time listening to the podcast and you don't know that much about star signs, moon represents your deeper inner emotions and who you are on the inside, whereas rising is more about what you generally present to other people on the outside, what their first impression of you is. The reason I said Pisces is a lot of the traits about Pisces under moon make a lot of sense for me with Adora. The, their, the words sympathetic, kind, and shy stood out to me. I think that Adora puts on this front of being very confident and being very sure of herself in front of other people, but she actually doesn't really know what she can do and how imp- she deals a lot with not understanding her own importance and how she can help other people. But Pisces are also the kind of people that others come to when they need something, which can sometimes lead to them being taken advantage, like we were talking about before with Adora and Catra's relationship. The fact that Adora has such a loving relationship with Catra, at least memory-wise, and wants to rebuild this relationship with her, that it, and it leads to her being put in a bunch of situations where Catra is taking advantage of her or getting the upper hand on her. And then the other, the last thing about it I saw for Adora was that Pisces moons can be rather moody sometimes. And there are a lot of times during the show where Adora, it gets very upset, but people don't really understand why and she keeps it to herself. People don't always understand why she's upset, but they definitely can tell that she is. Yeah. I get that. I'm realizing now that I gave her the same moon sign as I have, and I'm like sitting here reading about my own moon sign, and I feel like it's weird that I think that someone so different from me has the same sort of emotional integrity and intelligence as I do, but I think that it makes sense at the same time. So Mm -hmm. there was was a, a phrase in here which apparently I pasted in twice in my notes. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I really meant it. It says, You rarely allow difficulties to keep you down, for no matter how bleak the past or present, you still expect a better, brighter future. In fact, you are uncomfortable with your own or other people's problems and emotional pain. Now, I don't think I would go that far for myself or Adora, to be fair. But the part about not letting things keep you down... I was reminded of the of one specific moment in I think season four when they're on when they when they go to rescue Entrapta and they get like stuck in the vines or whatever of the of the island that they're on. I can't remember the name of it to save my life right now. Beast Island. Yeah, Beast Island. That one. So they get they get like stuck in that, and Adora's the one that comes out of it because she's like, "No, I have to get through this. I have to do this," and it's what pushes her to be able to transform into Shira again. I don't know. That specific moment was just like one of the one of the many times that Adora's like been faced with something that's gener- genuinely awful and she's still like we can get through this. We can do it. Things are going to be better someday. Adora is never one to be like everything is over. We are going we're, like we're ruined we can't do this. She's always the one that's encouraging everybody else to be like, we can come on, we can make this happen. And that's what really stuck out to me about Sagittarius. 
it feels mm-hmm. weird to think about that because I don't feel like I'm that way at all. Yeah, I do see what you're saying there. Um, and I think looking over it right now, um, just some of the descriptions for Sagittarius Moon is that friendship can mean a great deal to them, perhaps even more than love or romance. Yeah. And I mean, I think Adora, especially in her friendship with Bo and Glimmer, that she prioritizes them above a lot of things. I, I mean, everybody who's a friend in her life is really important to her. So I do think that plays a part into that. Yeah. If I were to pick one, I'd still go with Pisces, only because the part about Sagittarius being uncomfortable with other people's problems and emotional pain, feeling uncomfortable like with them sharing those. I definitely don't think Adora feels uncomfortable. I think she actually ends up making those problems her own more often than not. Yeah. And I kind of absorbing other people's pain. I think that part I in my head was touching on kind of what you said about how she gets kind of moody and like withdrawn when she is upset about something and doesn't want to share it with people. And I think that's the discomfort that I was picking out is like, she doesn't want to feel that way because she wants to stay positive and she wants to be like the one that's like the motivator in the group. But she just Mm -hmm. doesn't feel that way in the moment. And that makes her uncomfortable. I think that's, that's where I was going with it, but not with other people. She seems to be pretty good at handling other people's pain but it's just her own that she doesn't quite know how to manage. Maybe talking about her rising will help us come to a decision because I had her as Sagittarius yeah. and you had her as Pisces, which are flipped backwards for what we both had. Yes. So for me, with Pisces rising, it was the descriptors were dreamy, compassionate, and with your head a bit in the clouds. And I definitely think that non-wartime Adora was kind of like that. Like, when she, when you first see her in the first episode, when she's still in the Horde and she's with Kadra, she's just, like, this happy-go-lucky, like, we can just do whatever we want to do. Like, this is great. There's a line that says, you are intrinsically linked to all of humanity. And I think she kind of is, in a literal sense, that way. She she seems to to know people in a more in-depth way than they, they necessarily mm-hmm. tell her and let her in to know. Um, and I think that's what I I got from the Pisces thing is like you get the meaning behind what someone is saying before you actually are paying attention to what they're saying. And I feel like that definitely applies to Adora in some respects. Yeah, I don't. I, I see what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. The reason I went with Sagittarius and thinking again about how this is kind of what people's first impression of you is and might not always be completely true. Looking at the descriptors for Sag Rising is describes people as fun, vivacious, and bright. They have this kind of contagious energy that makes other people happy, which I think I think Adora does have. They can be very adventurous and fun. They're the glass mm-hmm. half full kind of people who see the good in every situation, which while Adora doesn't in every situation, I think she puts on the front that she does. But this can also be difficult for Sag Risings for a time. So their serious side does come out every now and then. That they're the kind of people who want to know the truth, which Adora does um, in her exploration of finding out who she is. Why is she Shiro? What is her purpose? 
and that they're also just very outspoken, opinionated, and they say what they think and can be perceived as mm -hmm. blunt because of it. I think it might be part of her uprising in the Horde, but Adora isn't exactly the kind of person who's going to hide what she thinks. She's going to say what she thinks about someone or something, even if that's not exactly the most appropriate time or place to say it. But, I mean, that's part of why, like, I put Pisces from Moon instead and put Sagittarius in Rising, is because I feel like Adora puts on a front of being very brave, very happy about everything, and this person that everybody can turn to for help. And she is that to an extent, but not as much as everybody thinks. Yeah. I think I was looking at doing at putting Sagittarius for her rising sign um as well as her moon, but the part about bluntness really threw me off cuz I feel like a lot of times she kind of talks around stuff because she doesn't want to hurt people's feelings. I do think she does that. Especially if that person is Glimmer because Glimmer is so temperamental. <laughs> I think it's a bit of 50-50, and yeah. I, I see what you're saying, too, because sometimes it's hard to determine, because a lot of Adora's blunt moments and her just saying her mind are used for comedic effect, so it's like, it's not in a serious situation, it's being done for laughs, so is this really, you know, how she would act, yeah. but I, I don't know, I do, I mean, I definitely think the Sagittarius is in there, I just think it's more in Rising than in Moon. I, I think I agree with you. I think mine are off today anyway because of the mood I was in last night when I was trying to do them. But I, I think I think I was on the right track and then you just got there before me. <laughs> so I think you're just a hundred percent right on her. I think Capricorn, Pisces, Sagittarius in that order. Sounds good. Mo moving on from Adora, we're going to move on to her childhood best friend turned enemy turned girlfriend, Katra. Katra is basically the main antagonist of the show turned a uh, hero of the show at the end. When Adora defects from the Horde to the Princess Alliance, Katra has this mental warfare going on about wanting Adora to come back and still be with her as she's the one person in her life who she truly loves and cares about and also wanting to succeed and be the best in the horde. Throughout the whole show we see her do increasingly horrible acts to try to get up higher in the horde and to be more respected and seen as someone who's powerful and strong up until the point in season five where she realizes that everything she was doing was only hurting herself and others, and ends up defecting to the uh, Princess Alliance as well, and helping Adora and everybody else take down the big bad in the end of Season 5. And literally saving the world! Hell yeah. The galaxy, pretty much. Oh yeah, you're right. Um, for Katra, for her son, I had Scorpio, <laughs> which... We'll see why. Um, for Moon, I was stuck between either Taurus or Cancer. And for her rising, I had Aries. Okay. So I have it flip-flopped again. I have Cancer, Sun, Scorpio, Moon, Aries, Rising. So Cancer was like instantaneous choice for me. 
it's the emotional aspect of being a cancer that had me thinking about it initially. But also there's, like, stuff about moodiness and wanting to be by themselves and, and quote-unquote, retreating into their shells like a crab. Because that's what the, the animal of the sign is, is a crab. And I think that there was a, there was a scene that was, like, a flashback of child Catra and child Adora. And something had happened and Catra had, like, run off and was hiding and was crying and Adora tried to come find her and make her feel better and she just really wanted nothing to do with that and she's still like that as a as a teenager but she's better at hiding it i think and she hides it with anger instead of and like being mean to people instead of just running off and being by herself which is also a a thing for cancers is stuff they don't like to be angry but that's how it comes out there was a line that says, they tend to absorb the emotional vibrations of wherever they're at, so it's essential to always be in favorable environments. So when Catra's with Adora, unless Adora is actively opposing her, which she is, of course, for most of the show, but there's those moments, like, when, the flashbacks when they're kids, and that initial first thing that we see of them when they steal a skip and they're out running through, or flying, I guess, through the woods. She's this, like, happy, giggly, carefree kind of of person. And then when she's in the Horde and she's only basically talking to Shadow Weaver and Hordak, she's rude, to put it as bluntly as possible. She's mean to her friends. Like, she's supposed to be friends with Entrapta and Scorpia, and she's just straight up mean to them for no reason except for that she can because she's in charge. Yeah. So I think that that was a big thing for me, was the absorbing the emotions of, of who you're around, basically. So I had all the same reasons for cancer, but the, I put them under can, um, moon for that reason. Um, okay. With it being all about emotion. Mm-hmm. There, was a, there was a part about likes and dislikes um, that just made me giggle because it felt so like exactly Catra to me and the list was aggravating situations failure opposition being told what to do (laughs) and advice good or bad um but the being told what to do especially was I was like okay yeah that's Catra yes it is but also I think she does fear failure a little bit I agree um I think she would never want anyone to know that. I think her and Adora both have that in common. Yeah, I I would agree with that. It's just the way they handle it that makes them so different. Um, I said Scorpio for Sun. A lot of the things about Scorpio are also why I said Moon, um, Cancer for Moon. So I won't delve too deep into a lot of the things because it will just be retracing what you said already. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, traits about Scorpios are that they're very ambitious, that they get they can get jealous very easily, which we see with Catra. Um, she gets ve- jealous of anybody who gets close to Adora that's not her, and also jealous of anybody who's trying to be in a position of power over her. She, that they have very strong wills, and they have definite opinions about the world and how it should work. They can be vindictive if wronged, but uh, and rigid in the what their own personal idea about right and wrong is. 
they are capable of extreme self-sacrifice, um, which Catra does pretty much twice in the last season when she wants to right the wrongs in her life and become a better person. She sacrifices herself thinking that she's helping Adora because she loves her. The unconscious mind in Scorpios is in, more, in control more than the conscious mind. So there's a lot more of their inner feelings coming out um, through their actions than in another sign, which is why I put cancer. I said, don't at me like this. Listen, it's fine. <laughs> but that is why I put her down for that and had cancer for her moon, because I think a lot of the emotional things you see in a cancer can come through through a person like a Scorpio. Mm -hmm. So that, that's why I kind of coupled those two together. Okay, see, so I also did the coupling, but I coupled it backwards. Yes. So I went for, I went for Scorpio Moon because there was a whole thing about brooding in silence, and I think that connects a lot to the the Cancer Sun thing about hiding in your shell when you're upset. And I think that that that's why I did that. I mean, I definitely think it's fair to say it goes one way or the other. She's yeah. either a Scorpio Sun and Cancer Moon, or a Cancer Sun and Scorpio Moon. I think I veered away from Scorpio Sun because I was in my head comparing her to myself and i, I think that, that that's a lot of the reason why i don't pick scorpio for a lot of people is because I, I if i don't feel like i relate to those characters then it doesn't make sense to me for them to have the same sign as me i get that i do the same thing with sagittarius sometimes yeah. i'm just thinking of scorpio in like the broad sense yeah i think the jealousy and stuff i almost I almost want to disagree with you about what you said about her being jealous of people that are in power over her. I don't necessarily think it's jealousy so much as it is... Like, I don't think she wants to be in their place. I don't think she wants to have control over, like, Shadow Weaver and stuff. I just think she wants to stop being bossed around by them. I do think it's that she doesn't want to be bossed around by them. And I think she eventually comes to realize that what she actually wants isn't to be, like, in a position of power or the strongest person. But I do think her actions throughout the first four seasons, she defeats Shadow Weaver in battle so she can take her position in the Horde. And then she works herself up to be Hordax, number one and number one partner and like partner in crime, whatever. Um, and then eventually is trying to overthrow him to become the leader of the Horde. And then eventually with Horde Prime becoming part of his army thinking that she can again work her way up and become a powerful person in there even though she ends up realizing that isn't what she wants and that it's not right i do think there's that sense of jealousy about them that she thinks she deserves to be i guess loved loved isn't the right word because those characters are feared not loved but she deserves to be like respected and seen as the best that like shadow weaver and hordak are by the horde you made that comment and all i could think of was linda monroe from <laughs> black friday you were like not loved necessarily and i just went adored i i think i'm okay with saying that she's one or the other either a scorpio sun and cancer moon or cancer sun and scorpio moon yeah 
And then I wish they were closer together so we could be like, aha, cut. cut. Yeah, but I, they're I not. And then at we all. both had Aries for rising. Yes. Which I mean, we don't need to delve too deep into it. We've already talked about it a little bit. Catra's mm-hmm. quick to anger. She's very direct. She very opinionated. She always looking to start something new. She's always on a new mission for a new position of power or how to defeat the princesses or how she can get back at Adora for leaving. Um, and she appears very independent and strong, even though uh, underneath it all, she's not. I also think the thing about about like getting back at Adora or whatever goes back to what you were saying about her being jealous of anybody who gets close to Adora, but then also like less about her being jealous of the people in power. I feel like half of the reason that she wants to be in charge is just so that she can say, hey, Adora, look what I can do. And look what you could have had if you hadn't left me. Yeah. Like, I don't need you around to be the best. I think it's very vindictive. It is. Yeah. I don't think we need to talk very much about this because I think it's very obvious. <laughs> yeah. So, like we said, either a Scorpio sun or moon, and then either a Cancer sun or moon, and or Aries rising. Did the wiki have a sign for her? Hers was Scorpio. Okay. Um, that's very fair. Yes. I feel like I just apply less to the typical Scorpio signs, and that's why I feel like she doesn't, that, like, yeah. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking about myself. Because I've done that a lot this episode. It's okay. They Anywho, know. character number three, we're going to talk about Glimmer, who is the princess of, oh my god, what's it called? Bright Moon. The princess of Bright Moon. So she she starts off as, as a princess um, who's kind of just a little brat, to be honest. Like... She wants to fight in the war, and she wants to do all this stuff, and her mom is the queen, and her mom basically just says, like, you're not ready for this, you're too young, and Glamour gets mad about it, so she teleports, because that's her power, basically she just bursts into sparkles and appears in a new place throughout the course of the show, her powers get stronger, of course, but yeah, so she's the first princess we meet. She and Bo are the ones who who run into Adora when she comes back for the sword, and they're the ones who basically convince Adora to not be evil anymore and to join the Princess Alliance. And I think that's enough about Glimmer. So, so I had Sagittarius for Sun, Capricorn Moon, and Gemini Rising. Okay, we have nothing the same here. Cool. For Glimmer, I had Pisces Sun, I had Scorpio Moon, and I had Leo Rising. Interesting. Okay. I would also I would like to point out that on the wiki page, the sign that it says that Glimmer has is Sagittarius. So I think it's pretty interesting that you picked that. I'm just surprised I have any that match the wiki. Well, why did you say Sagittarius? The first, I think the very first thing it says in the uh, little blurb thing that we have is, Known as the Archer, Sagittarius sun sign natives are incredibly independent and restless with a real need for personal freedom. That is the first thing we see Glimmer do 
is get grounded for trying to fight in a battle when her mom told her not to, and then immediately proceed to teleport out of her room and go on a mission. So that was instantaneously just like, ah, okay, there, there she is. But there's also, she wants to do so much, and she kind of overloads herself and gets too many things going on and stresses herself out to the point where something goes wrong because of it. Like, when she starts learning magic from Shadow Weaver and basically just lets it overtake her and doesn't really realize the problems inherent to what she's doing because she's not being careful enough. And then there was also, she's constantly just optimistic most of the time, unless she's being a brat. But she... She's either like, oh, my life is over, or she's like, all right, let's go. This is great. We're going to do something good today. And there's no in between. Yes. And that's, that's why I went with, with Sagittarius for that one. Yes. So why um, did you say Pisces? So I said Pisces because looking over the traits that Pisces was describing, I think a lot of it goes back to the fact that Glimmer is part of a royal family seemingly one of the most important ones uh, in Etheria, um, and eventually ends up becoming queen when her mother, um, quote-unquote, dies at the end of season three. So she feels this need to serve others, that she has to be a leader for other people and understand and support other people. And she does do that, um, even though being in a leadership position isn't exactly what is right for her. She does feel this desire and need to fulfill those roles. But like you were talking about with Shadow Weaver, I think Glimmer is very impressionable, which is part of the Pisces sign that she becomes very enraptured with Shadow Weaver after a small amount of time and starts to listen to everything she says, even against people like Bo and Adora, who she should listen to more. But like you were talking about with her being an optimist, I do think that's true for some of the time, but Pisces, with it being the fish, does kind of have this two sides of a person thing. And I do think that's half of what Glimmer is. But like you were talking about, she has this kind of whiny, like, more pessimistic view of things where she's very much down on herself she doesn't think she can make friends she doesn't think she's worthy of, the, of other people liking her but yet she puts her loved ones especially Bo in the first um, season we see this a lot that she puts her loved ones on a pedestal and wants to protect them over her own safety um, she becomes very possessive of Bo when he starts trying to make friends with other people like Perfuma and the other princesses, <laughs> <laughs> who we'll talk about next week. But she, yeah, I, I just saw like a lot of Pisces elements in Glimmer. I think Sagittarius makes a lot of sense, and that was the one I was originally going to go with. But after reading like all of the stuff about Pisces, I felt closer to that one. I think... I'm gonna. I'm going back to the um, Sagittarius thing because I was. There was definitely more things that I had that I just didn't screenshot because at this point I was half asleep um, and I just wanted to finish. <laughs> There's a line that says others think Sagittarius natives are pretty insensitive, and the statement that truth hurts fits their way of thinking. I definitely get that vibe sometimes from Glimmer. Like she says a lot of things, especially to Bo, that are like kind of rude. Yes. 
But it's basically just because she's hurt, and she says the first thing that's on her mind, which just so happens to be the truth, and she doesn't really pay attention to how it makes him feel. It just makes her feel better to say it. And I think that that's kind of... I would argue that that makes it more for rising in that case, though. Maybe. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff about, like, needing to feel free. And Glimmer's whole thing is, like, wanting to go on missions and stuff. And even once she becomes queen, she gets really, like, fed up with the fact that she has to stay home and, like, run meetings and stuff with... I don't even know what... Cabinet, I guess, is close enough. That's the, the, the idea, anyway. Like, she has all these royal advisors and whatever that she has to, to meet with and stuff, so she can't go out and do things with Bo and Adora. So she's, like, constantly video calling them, trying to get them to tell her what's going on, because she's super interested in the mission and she wants to be free and go do things with them. And they just, like, by the time she actually gets to come do things, the mission is done. Mm-hmm. And she gets really disappointed about it. I think that was a big thing. I do see that. The last thing I'll say about Pisces in support of it is that it does describe that Pisces natives learn through suffering and they need to learn perseverance. And I think a big arc for Glimmer, especially later in the show, is that she feels very... She's forced into this position of being queen. She doesn't necessarily want that position and she lost her mom to have it. She doesn't know what she's doing, but she wants to do the right thing for Bright Moon and Etheria. She wants to be in she wants to be correct, but a lot of the things that she does to try to do that are wrong. And it ends up in the end of season four and then in the beginning of season five, her getting kidnapped by Horde Prime and having to learn the error of her actions, why she was wrong, and having to understand that she was in the wrong, but she can learn from it and become a better person. And that's part of that learning through suffering by making those mistakes and coming out of it a better person at the end of the day. I think that that makes sense. I think we're both kind of on the right track. I kind of feel inclined to go with mine just because I know that that's what Noelle assigned to her as a sign. Yeah. But I definitely see where you're coming from, and I think both could apply. To say that she would be one or the other, either a Sagittarius or a Pisces, and then move on to talking about Moon. But for Moon, I had Scorpio. For the reasons I said that is that the Scorpio Moon traits, they can be secretive, they can be broody, they only open up to a select few people and are reserved to everybody else pretty much. But they also can be very passionate and intense people. They know what they want and they will work to get what they want. And But they're also very guilty of holding grudges sometimes. If people have wronged them or if they feel like they're in the right and someone else is in the wrong. And the overall mm-hmm. the trait that Scorpio Moons learn to deal with these is learning about self-control and how to handle their emotions and make sure that they're not just instantly reacting to everything that causes an emotional reaction, which I think Glimmer does do throughout the course of the show. See, now that you're saying that, now that I'm looking over mine again, I feel like Capricorn doesn't really make a lot of sense. Because, basically because of what we talked about in the when we were talking about sun signs, basically just Glimmer doesn't want to be queen. She just wants people to recognize that she's done good things and she wants to, like, 
help. Yeah. Um, so I wrote, or not wrote, but I screenshotted the part that said, you desire recognition. The emotions are steady but can be quite cold. And I don't know if that's really accurate. I think a lot of the time she is very private about her emotions, which I think could apply to either Capricorn or Scorpio. But she, like, where with Capricorn, it's you hide your emotions and you don't want people to think you need help. Scorpio, it's just kind of you internalize it all. And I think that that's more of what she does. I, I also recognize a lot of similarities between her and Catra. Um, yes, I do think they're both foils of each other. Yeah, which would make sense for them to then have the same moon sign assigned to them. Because the way that they handle situations emotionally is very similar, where they kind of just get, they like outburst when they can't hold it in anymore. And no matter what the emotion is, it kind of comes out as anger. Yeah, I'm, I definitely like, I think Scorpio fits for Glimmer the best out of any of them. And then. Uh, that was one of the last things I did. So I very much don't even remember <laughs> writing it down. Um, but there's a line in Scorpio that says, you find it difficult to trust people as you are suspicious of their inner thoughts and plans. Yeah. Um, and that is very much how we see Glimmer when we first see her. Um, when they kind of, when she and Bo kind of quote unquote capture Adora for the first time, um, Bo quickly warms up to her and befriends her. And Glimmer's like, what are you doing? She's a horde soldier. And this whole time, she's just focused on the fact that Adora has the Horde logo on her clothes and doesn't really think about her as a person, I guess. So she she has a hard time trusting her at first. And the only time that she does it is when she when she realized that Adora had helped the town that they were in rather than going to join the Horde up again. Which is what Glimmer expected her to do. So I think that's... I definitely think that makes sense. Alright, and then for Rising, I had Leo. Okay. Uh, I put down Leo because I think Glimmer's presentation to other people, the way she wants to be viewed, is confident, very royal, um, that she likes to be in charge. She's very full of pride, and she shows it off to other people. And while I don't think any of that is fully true for Glimmer, for the most part, I do think that is how she presents herself to other people. Especially when she's trying to recruit the other princesses into the Alliance. I definitely, I definitely see the flair for the dramatic part in, in, in her, but I went for Gemini because of the thing about coming off as two different people. Because I think, depending on what mood she's in when you meet her, she can be very different. Or not even necessarily what mood she's in, but, like, who you are to her. So when she goes and tries to meet the other princesses and get them to join the Alliance, she's very much this, like, regal-friendly sort of character. Whereas when she meets someone she doesn't know, she's very, like, closed off and suspicious. Which, like I said again, is, is what she's like when she meets Adora for the first time. And that's how she is with... Huntara, I guess, when they first come in, or when she... Huntara uses what pronouns? She, her pronouns, right? She, her, I'm right about that. But yeah, so I feel like anyone that she doesn't know, she's very, like, closed off towards. Most people still see her, like, 
from afar rather than when she, when she officially meets someone. But when she's just, like, talking, people see her as this curious mind who wants to know what's going on and wants to figure everything out and solve every problem. As opposed to being someone who's like, oh, you know, she's royalty. She's a princess. Yeah, I, I think I'm more leaning towards that now after you talked about it. With the Leo one, the only thing I really think stands out is her sense of dramatics, her showy personality. But then again, that goes with what you were saying about Gemini with it being like kind of this two different personalities showing um, depending on the situation. Yeah, there's a there's a line in, in there as well that says sometimes you might get overwhelmed by the desire to do everything, but unfortunately doing everything at once is impossible. That sticks out, especially with later seasons once she's queen. She wants to, like I said earlier, she wants to be on the on the field doing the missions with, with Bo and Adora, but she's stuck doing queenly things. Yeah. And she's trying to do both at once with, you know, video calls and stuff, but what she ends up doing is hindering both processes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I good to go with... I definitely think she has Leo somewhere in her placements. I just don't know where. Huh? I think, I think just not in the main three. Yeah. Maybe like Venus or something. What's Venus? Venus I is, I think, roman romance or something like that. Okay. I don't know. Um, we're not experts. Experts. No, not at all. We are very much amateurs who just do this because we think it's fun. We're twenty-something theater people who want something to do on a Sunday night. Yep. Um. So for glimmer, then (laughs) for glimmer, then uh, we have Pisces or Sagittarius Sun, Scorpio Moon, and Gemini Rising. With an official assignment of Sagittarius apparently. Yes. So for our final character today, uh it's gonna we're gonna round it out with Bo, the last member of the best friend squad. He is Glimmer's best friend who we first meet in the show. Like um, Mickey described earlier, him and Adora him and Glimmer are the first ones to capture Adora, get to know her, become friends with her. We learned that Bo has two dads who are both historians, and he has about a dozen siblings who are all also historians, I believe, or at least something in the field. And he doesn't—he initially doesn't spend a lot of time at home or visit them because he feels like he won't be accepted for wanting to be a soldier and a tactician in the army, which they eventually do come to accept him for. But yeah, Bo's the more analytical um strategist of the group who kind of brings everyone back together has a more of a steady head while still being emotional and having his moments of freaking out so literally always wears crop tops yes Bo is a crop top queen he is absolutely a bi king yes but (laughs) for the record him and Wimmer are both apparently bisexual but oh yeah what did you have for both signs? All right. Um, so for Bo, I struggled a little bit, and I think that this was because I just was ready to to be done. But I wrote um, Taurus for Sun and Moon, and then Libra rising. I had Gemini under Sun. I had Libra under Moon, and I had Virgo under Rising. Okay. 
And just for reference sake, on the wiki page, Bo's astrological sign is considered to be Virgo. I said That's Gemini. Yeah, I said Gemini for the sun. Um, Gemini traits are that they can be very talkative. They're versatile people. They like to do a lot of things, not be tied down to one thing. Being stuck to only doing one thing makes them very restless. They like the variety of life. They hate being bored. They flit around to different activities and can sometimes be viewed as the teacher or leader of a group, depending on the situation that they're in. Um, they're also the kind of sign that they don't want to make anybody upset. They don't want to like pick one side in particular. So they kind of fluctuate on what is the right thing to do and who is in the right depending on a situation. And I think with Bo, especially in the later seasons when Adora and Glimmer start having their conflicts, we see him try to be this mediator between the two of them and make them both happy and make them not fight anymore to varying success. And he's just kind of seen as that mediator of the group with those two. Yeah, I definitely see that. I went for Taurus because a lot of it's about hands-on work um, and seeing the results of what they're doing. With him, he's expected to become a historian like all of his other family members and comes up with this whole bogus fake life um, in which he's in school to become a historian and that's where he met Adora and Glimmer and all of this stuff just because he doesn't think his parents will accept his desires to be a marksman but that's what he wants to do and the bow and arrow is my interpretation of that is the hands-on work and like seeing the result is like oh yeah i built this thing because he builds all kinds of different arrows like he's got the net ones doesn't he have net ones that's right yeah. right he does. yeah and, like, these arrows do a whole bunch of different stuff. They've got a whole bunch of gadgets that he just, like, makes. And he's very much just, like, constantly working with his hands. Even if he's just shooting the bow, it's still hands-on work. And it says that they work at a slower pace than most, but always finish whatever they start. And are reliable, trustworthy, etc. as a result of that. And I think that makes a lot of sense because... You know, sometimes he doesn't quite grasp the way that Adora and Glimmer, like, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with their planning. And they, like, they seem to kind of be on the same wavelength, and he kind of takes a second to catch up sometimes. Doesn't always have much to contribute in terms of plan, as long as he's there to execute the plan. And I think that that sort of applies in that respect. Yeah, I think I'm more, after hearing your explanation and looking at the page here, I think that I'm more leaning towards Taurus because of that hands-on stuff and his all, all of that with him uh, and him being a marksman and all that. Makes a lot more mm -hmm. sense for his son. Um, I might be more inclined to put Gemini under Moon for that reason, but I'm going to keep Libra there for that. But yeah, I'm, I, I can agree that Taurus would be Bo's sun sign. All right, I'm looking at Virgo because I wanted to, to read up on that and see why that's what Noel chose for him. And it says, Virgo natives are happy when they can work with a lot of details, usually of a technical or analytical nature, in and for the service of others. And that pinpoint for me, for him. The detail-oriented work in technical nature, he's like, he's the tech 
wizard person after Entrapta defects to the Horde side. He's the one who who does all the technical stuff. And then what I was saying about his weird arrow gadgets. He's constantly doing detail-oriented work. I was looking at Virgo after reading that on the page, and I didn't go for that one because I think Bo pushes himself hard. But he doesn't... I don't know if he's all about perfection, and he's definitely not, like, demanding perfection in other people to the point that he's criticizing them for not being perfect. Yeah. I think... There's a lot of there's a lot in Virgo about you know like being a worry wart and what you were saying about perfection and stuff. That stuff definitely doesn't feel like it applies to him. The act the um the act about about being dependable and curious and doing the detail oriented stuff, I think that's very him. Yes. So I definitely think there's there's some things that fit really well and some things that don't. Yeah. But the dependability is a big one. So I definitely see it. Right. But I also see that in Taurus, too. The dependability. Yeah. So. They're both Earth signs, so they're both pretty grounded in, the, in a similar way. So I think that's where uh, the overlap is. Um, but yeah, I like my choice. I still stand by that. I stand by your choice. I don't stand by your moon choice because I have Libra for that one. (laughs) I put down Libra because the one thing about it that I definitely think doesn't match Bo at all is that it says a part about that they don't like to get their hands dirty. They do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bo does, at least. Um, They do. (laughs) uh, But Libras can be kind, agreeable, optimistic. They like to make others feel accepted. They want peace in all things. And they're rather reasonable, um, which I think what I was talking about before with Gemini um, originally under the sun applies a lot better here for Libra in the, in the emotions thing, because like I talked about with him trying to be that person for Adora and Glimmer um, mm-hmm. and just be that person in the war in general of trying to make sure everybody is on the right side and understands what's going on and is happy. That definitely makes sense. I'm, like, reading the section of, of Libra now, and I'm, like, curious in my own brain as to why I chose what I chose. I know this was the very last one I filled in, so it's very, very possible that it could just be totally off the wall. Yeah, no, this is not, nope. Talking about being possessive, and once you have formed a way of feeling about something, you may be reluctant or unable to change it. Concerned about material security, um, emotional expression is held back by your practical nature. None of that is Bo. <laughs> Bo is a very frantic person. Why did I put this here? You'll never know. Okay, there was a... What did I actually screenshot? Okay, so it says you need a lot of affection and closeness, and this helps to assuage feelings of insecurity. But sometimes you hold on to people much too carefully so they feel they can't breathe. Um, you expect loyalty and love, and you are very devoted to loved ones. You have the tendency to indulge in luxurious comforts and activities. That was the main thing that I put for him. And I think that's the only thing here that actually applies in any respect. Yeah. I think he definitely needs that closeness with his friends, and them being affectionate with him and being, like, being friends, I guess, even helps him feel like he actually is doing something good for the rebellion and stuff like that. 
but there's no act there's no aspect of the holding on to people too much i feel like people hold on to him too much and by people i specifically mean glimmer yeah can we tell him not a huge glimmer fan yes i can at least <laughs> i don't don't get me wrong i like her as a character i can appreciate her as a character but she irritates me so much <laughs> i mean i think that's the point with her character I mean, I hope so. It's understandable. I hope it's not just me. That is not the point. The point is, I'm wrong in this respect about Bo being a Taurus moon. I don't know why I wrote that down. Um, so I definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah, we talked a bit about Virgo already, which is what I had down for his rising. So I won't go too in-depth on that one. Just that Virgo's on the outside... I. People with Virgo rising on the outside seem very organized, put together, they're the caregiver, they're reliable, and they're comfortable to be around, which I think all suit Bo. Yeah, agree. Um, so Libra rising, the main things are pleasant, sweet, and charming. I think those are applicable. I don't know if they're ideal, but they're applicable. Yes. There's there's a thing about Libras being indecisive, like that's the stereotype about Libras. And I think it applies in some respects with Bo in terms of what we already talked about where he's kind of back and forth between two sides of a fight because he wants both of his friends to be happy and to get along with each other. And it it specifically says in this little paragraph you may have heard that libras are indecisive and while this may be true it comes with good intentions because you generally want everyone to be happy so i think that that's a little on the nose and i think it's less of a rising thing and more of some other sign yeah i mean we have libra under moon and i think that all applies with that there yeah so i would go for i would go for for yours okay for that one. For Bo, we had Taurus Sun, Libra Moon, and Virgo Rising. I like that this is the only one we've actually come up with a solid one. Yeah. But to close this out for the night, we are going to talk a bit about six of the side characters. Um, what we're going to do here is all we're going to describe is their sun sign with like a one or two sentence explanation as to why we picked that for them and then move on to the another one. We're not going to go as in-depth as we would with the others. Yeah, because we have less to go on with these guys. Their characters aren't always as developed or just not as quote-unquote important to the story. So we just kind of are going off of just one instead of a whole birth chart yes so our first character is angela glimmer's mom the queen of bright moon i put her down as taurus i said aquarius i said taurus because it had that thing about motherly instincts um mm -hmm. being reliable and caring and that was really the only reason I did that for her. There was, there's a line in Aquarius, um, they are friendly yet detached, they have warmth yet they seem distant. Although appearing cold or aloof, they're not indifferent to others. And I think that was, that was what I picked out for her. She seems like a very warm human in general, but to people that she doesn't really know, or even to Glimmer sometimes, she kind of keeps herself at a distance, and I think it's because she doesn't want to get hurt um, again after losing her husband or thinking that she lost her husband. 
Oh, wait, I just realized that's so sad. Sorry. I just realized that she never knew that Micah wasn't dead. Yeah, it's depressing, all right. Really upsetting. <laughs> How have I seen this show two and a half times and I did not realize that until now? You heard it here first, folks. I never said it was smart. It's fine. The second character we had, which I felt bad about not putting her in a main character spot, but honestly, the show doesn't treat her like she is one. Frosta, the ice princess. I had Capricorn. Yeah, I also did. Yeah, I feel like it's pretty easy. They sometimes try to come across as very uh, independent and not overly emotional. They're... All Frosta wants to do is be included, dude. Yeah. <laughs> she just wants to fight. But she is just, she's like, what, 12? She's 11 and a half, right? Yes. So she gets treated like a little kid all the time because she's so much younger than all the other princesses who are like 16. So obviously they're well-versed in everything and they know all. Yeah. So that she just gets treated like a little kid. And I think even the writing kind of puts her on a second tier to the other princesses sometimes, which is upsetting. But a lot of the a lot of the aspects of Capricorn are like being a really hard worker and being a very dedicated person. And I definitely think Frosta is that. It's just kind of covered up by her juvenile sort of demeanor because she's so young. So yeah. Um, the next character we have is Shadow Weaver. Um, I had Aries. I didn't have one for Shadow Weaver. I couldn't come up with it. I literally put like eight question marks next to her name. But I think Aries makes sense. Yeah, they're the they like to be in charge. They express themselves actively. They kind of they they hate being not in charge. They like innovation. They're blah 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 blah. I just felt yeah. like that fit with Shadow Weaver. I wouldn't want to have Shadow Weaver in my sign. So if you're an Aries, I'm sorry, but. Yeah, I honestly like this is absolutely no hate to anyone who's an Aries because th th there's no reason for this. But I feel like the worst characters in any show ever are always either an Aries or a Gemini. And I didn't mean to say no hate to Aries and not Gemini in like because that can be interpreted as, oh, all the hate to Gemini's. That's not it either. I didn't know I was going to say Gemini until it came out of my mouth. Well, I think that it's just um, a lot of villain characters, um, especially the ones who aren't, like, extremely important, are the ones who are displayed as, like, these ego-driven, very strong, um, independent, innovative characters. So it's why a lot of the times they seem like Ares. Um, for Seahawk, who is our next character, I had Leo. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously he's a Leo. He sings sea shanties every day of his life. He can't be anything else. <laughs> I also said the same thing for our next character, Swiftwind. Also a Leo. They're both dramatic as hell. See, I, again, I didn't have anything down for Swiftwind, but I was leaning towards Leo as well. I just found it really hard because Swiftwind is literally a horse. Yeah, he's literally <laughs> barely a character. So... Yeah, but they're both very performative. I think Swiftwind would also sing sea, sea Shanties every day of his life if he could. He does at one point. Yeah, but there's also the the added dramatic nature of, of Swiftwind because he has that psychic connection with Adora and, like, 
freaks out when he can't understand her or can't feel a connection to her. Which, granted, has ver- there's a very good reason for that, but it's like, maybe try figuring it out instead of just freaking out about it. Yes. And then our last side character of the night we're going to talk about is Light Hope, who is basically the She-Ra guider um, AI person. Uh, and yeah. for Light Hope, I said Aquarius. I put Virgo. Um, and that's mainly because of the aspect of they're very much worriers um, yeah. and perfectionists. And of course, now Light Hope isn't as as light as she may like us to think she is, of course. And that's a, a very big spoiler. So if you haven't seen it, I'm very sorry. We've been but, spoiling this whole time. It's fine. I mean, yeah, but that was probably the worst one. I can't, <laughs> except for maybe the Mike is not actually dead part. That was a big one, too. I'm sorry about it. But yeah, I think Light Hope wants her plan to be executed to perfection and worries about things that aren't, that are going to get in the way of that. So she worries a lot about training Adora to be the proper She-Ra because she wants She-Ra to do what she wants her to do and gets worried when Adora has free will and realizes that she shouldn't be doing the things that Light Hope wants her to do. Yes. Um, so that's where I went with it. I went with Aquarius because they do have a little bit of warmth to them, which we see with another big spoiler, but um, Light Hope trained Mara, the original She-Ra, and she ends up befriending her, and they have a very close, warm relationship with each other. But also that uh, she's more concerned with humanity rather than any one particular individual which yeah. the light hope ai that is implant implanted into her um definitely that's the case with that yeah i kind of feel like i kind of feel like there's two separate versions of light hope yeah like there's the version there's the version that was with mara which is more of aquarius like you were saying and then there's the version that's training adora who is missing critical memories of Mara because her system got damaged or whatever happened. And now all she's worried about is that perfection and that following along with the plant thing. And that is where, like, the Virgo aspect comes in. I can see that. So I kind of think she's both. Yeah, I agree. Depending on how much memory storage she has, she might have some warmth. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to be it for this week's episode. Um, I do hope you guys join us for next week to talk a bit more about She-Ra. We're going to be handling the remainder of the Princesses of Power in that episode, as well as the remainder of the side characters we had listed out. Um, So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, But aside from that, I hope that you guys liked this little discussion about the show today. Uh, If you haven't seen the show yet and this encouraged you at all to go watch it, I definitely recommend doing so. It's a really great show and it's really easy to binge. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh, do you have any final words? I guess kind of the same thing. Just watch it if you haven't because it's really good. It is absolutely my favorite show right now. And the episodes are only, only half hour. It's an animated show. So it goes by really fast, and like Kevin said, it's super easy to binge. So like, even if you just put it on the background just to say that you got some exposure to it, 
I would say do it. Yeah, if you're like me and you have a really hard time paying attention to 40-minute episodes, uh, it's definitely a show for you, because that's how I am. Yeah. I literally almost exclusively watch cartoons at this point, because it's just easier to follow along. So if you're anything like us, then this is the show for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. But aside from that, I hope you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you again next week. And I'm very excited because we get to cover my favorite character in that episode. So, tune in next week. Tune in next week. Have a great weekend. Or have a great week. Don't stress too much, because I will. If that's not a mood, I don't know what is. <laughs>